Alright. Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Sunday, March 3rd, 2013. Today's message is titled, God's Work in Our Life Through Fasting, by Pastor Ryan Cochran, and it's based on scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Do join me in prayer. Our God in heaven, we give you thanks for uh, your word that continues to speak to us today. And so God, may we uh, hear the word that you have for each of us today uh, that comes from your spirit. Lord, may the words that I speak uh, be the words that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord be with you. Amen. In John's letter to the churches in Revelation, he says to them, you have forgotten your first love. Repent and do the things that you did at first. In your walk with God, what were some of the things that you did with God at the first? When you have walked with God closely and have experienced his love in your life, what were the things that you did? How did you respond to God in those times? I want you to think back for a moment in your Christian life and to consider uh, a time, maybe a period of time, when you experienced uh, your greatest intimacy with God. When in your Christian life did you experience the most growth and the most understanding of the knowledge of God and his love? For you? When was that time in your life? When you think back on those times, what were some of the things that you and God did together? What were some of the spiritual practices in your life at that time? When I look back on my own life as a follower of Christ, and if I ask these questions, and when I really think about it, I know that in times when I walked most closely with God, that fasting was a part of those times. Certainly there were other spiritual practices that I did at that time. Certainly there were circumstances that were going on in my life that, uh, that, that also contributed to my spiritual growth at that time. But in all of those times in my life, when I remember walking closely with God, I know that fasting was a part of those times. And my own experience isn't unique. Throughout the Christian scriptures, throughout uh, church history, we know that God moved in the life of his people when when God's people responded by fasting. For many of you, I know that fasting is an important part of your life. In my own life, fasting has been an important part of my spiritual life, an important part of spiritual growth for me. I am grateful for the ways that God has used fasting in my life to grow me up in Christ. And so as we talk about fasting today, that's the first thing that you want to, I want you to know about me and my experience, that this has been an important practice in my life. And here's the second thing that I want you to know about my, my experience in fasting. I hate fasting. I know how much fasting has benefited me. I know that I walk closer with God when I fast and and after I have fasted, but it is really hard for me. 
There have been times in my life when I know that God has been calling me to start a fast, and I have not obeyed his call. There's been times when I have committed to to fast for a certain amount of time, and I've failed to complete what I intended to do. Fasting is difficult. It is hard. But for those who are willing to allow God to do a work in them through this practice, the spiritual rewards of this practice are great. So this morning, I want to do two things very simply today. First, I want to explain what fasting is. And second, I want to challenge you, to encourage you to try it. My sermon is very simple. It's straightforward this morning. I want you to leave knowing what fasting is, understanding the biblical foundation of this practice and why it's an important practice for us. And second, to leave you with this challenge, this encouragement to go and to try this practice in your own life. So today, if you've, if you've never tried fasting before, I encourage you to have your ears open and your heart open to whether or not God may be calling you uh, to do this. Uh, or maybe if there was a time in your life back at the first, maybe, when fasting was important for you, but maybe you've gone months or years or maybe decades uh, having not practiced fasting. I hope that this sermon will encourage you uh, to, to try fasting as a spiritual discipline and a spiritual practice again in your life. Um, If you today already understand fasting, if fasting is a part of your life, if you love fasting, um, you are allowed to go home right now um, because this sermon isn't necessarily for you. Actually, I do hope that it will be a reminder to all of us, an encouragement to all of us about this important Christian practice. Very practically speaking, what is fasting? Well, here's my definition of fasting. This didn't come from the dictionary. This is what I understand the scriptures to say and what I understand it to be. Fasting is abstaining from a good thing, usually food, for the purpose of enjoying God. Fasting is abstaining from a good thing, usually food, for the purpose of enjoying God. God. Whenever I talk about fasting, or whenever I encourage, uh, I've encouraged a group of people to fast in the past, I inevitably get this question. Can you fast from something other than food? Of course, the answer to this question is yes. There are many spiritual benefits in our relationship with God when we choose to abstain from some good thing, some good gift from God, in order to enjoy God more, in order to focus on God more, in order for that gift that God has given us not to distract us from God. Scripture talks about the benefits of this. Uh, For example, in Corinthians, Paul uses the example of married people who intentionally abstain from sex for a certain time in order to devote themselves to prayer. There are other examples in the scriptures of people who abstain from good things for for a certain period of time in order to deepen their walk with God. For those of us who live in North America and are, for the most part, very wealthy, uh, there are no doubt many benefits that come from abstaining from good material things in our life. We are so accustomed in our life to getting what we want, so used to kind of filling up our lives with material things, that disciplines of abstinence, intentionally choosing 
to give up something in order to pursue God can only be a good thing. And I will cheer for any of you who choose to do that in your life, to choose to give up some good thing in order to better focus on God. With that said, with that said, I think we need to be clear that throughout the scriptures, when the Bible talks about fasting, when it uses the word fasting, it is referring to abstaining from food. Sometimes abstaining from food altogether. Sometimes abstaining from certain kinds of food for a certain period of time. But fasting in scripture is always about food. And the reason for that is because food is a physical necessity. We cannot live without food. God has made us in such a way that we need food in order to survive. God has made our bodies so that we begin to feel hungry when we do not have food. We begin to feel empty inside when we do not have food. Food is a physical necessity. We must have it in order to survive. And there's nothing else except for water and oxygen that is so necessary for our life, so necessary for our survival. If you chose to stay away from TV for a period of time, that is a good thing. But TV has nothing to do with sustaining our life. TV has nothing to do with our physical survival. It's a good thing to abstain from TV for a while. I think that would be a great exercise for all of us. But it has nothing to do with our physical survival, with our physical strength. But when we fast from food, we are agreeing with Jesus that man does not live by physical bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. When we fast from food, we are confessing to God, and we are also reminding our own bodies that true life is spiritual life. True life is life with God. And that true life, satisfaction, fullness, fulfillment in our life does not come from any material thing, even something as good and necessary as food. That is not where our true life comes from. True life comes from God. And so when we fast, we are reminding our bodies that our life doesn't begin and end by satisfying the needs and desires of our bodies. Life begins and ends with our life before God. We are reminding our bodies that the desires of our flesh need to be conformed to the desires of the Spirit and not the other way around. Abstaining from food, fasting from this good and necessary thing, is one of the main ways that God has given to us to pursue our spiritual life and spiritual growth. To teach us to turn away from believing that satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness will come from anything in this world. Fasting is abstaining from a good thing, usually food, for the purpose of enjoying God. Let's take a look at one of Jesus' teachings on fasting. It comes from Matthew chapter 6. It was read for us just a few minutes ago. 
Jesus' teaching on fasting takes place in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is Jesus' teaching about the life and practice of those who will be his followers. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's about Christian ethics, about how we live as followers of Christ. And so one of the practices, one of the, the things that followers of Christ do, Jesus says, is fast. It's interesting how Jesus begins this passage on fasting. He says, uh, verse 16, When you fast. Notice, Jesus does not say, if you fast. Notice that Jesus does not say, if there happens to come a time when you think that it might be a good idea, maybe, to fast, then do it like this. Interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't even command us to fast. He just assumes that we will. When you fast, do it like this. In the Sermon on the Mount, again, this sermon about the life of the follower of Christ, there is an assumption that his followers will fast. It will be a part of discipleship. At another point in Jesus' ministry, some of the disciples of John come up to Jesus and they say to, to Jesus, Jesus, we see that your disciples don't fast while you're here. Why don't they fast? John, our teacher, has taught us to fast. Why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus' response to them is that while he is present with them in the flesh, while the bridegroom is here, he says, the party can't fast. It's time to celebrate but there will be a time when I will be taken from them, and then they will fast, Jesus says. Throughout the book of Acts, there are many times when it reports to us that the early church spent time fasting. It's reported to us as if it was simply a normal part of the church's life. When Paul and Barnabas are about to be sent off for their their ministry, the disciples prayed and fasted. When Peter and John were in prison, the church prayed and fasted for them. It was part of the normal life of the church. So Jesus begins his teaching on fasting with this assumption that as his followers, we will fast. When you fast, do it like this. So what does Jesus say about fasting? First he says that he he simply assumes that his followers will do it that it is a normal Christian practice. Secondly, Jesus tells us that fasting is a practice that is done for one purpose, and that purpose is intimacy with God, communion with God. As Jesus goes on in this teaching on fasting, he, he tells us that when we sh- he doesn't tell us when we fast how long we should fast or when we should fast. He simply reminds us of the purpose of our fasting. Because we could be tempted to fast for all sorts of reasons. Jesus mentions here that some people fasted in order to be seen by other people, so that other people would see their spiritual life and be impressed. We may be tempted to do that. We know of people in the world who will do a hunger strike, you know, some kind of, to make some kind of political point or to man, demand somebody's attention. They will go on a hunger strike, a hunger fast, in order to prove their point. There are lots of reasons why we might choose to fast. But Jesus says, for the Christian, there is only one reason to fast. And that purpose 
is communion with God. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Fasting is something that deepens our relationship and our walk with God, and it's a practice that we do before God and before God alone. So I want to ask you a very simple question today as you think about this practice of fasting. We know the Sunday school answer to this question, but truly in your heart of hearts, what's the answer to this question? Do you want to grow more deeply with God? Are you tired of always just filling yourself up, filling your time, filling your energy with material things that ultimately do not satisfy you? Do you want to grow more deeply with God? If so, I want to encourage you this morning to try fasting and to see what God will do in your life through this practice. There are really two different ways or two different occasions that we can fast as believers. And the first is to fast as a regular Christian practice, just something that we do on a regular basis, uh, maybe once a week, maybe once a month, maybe at certain times of the year. That fasting can certainly uh, can become just a part of our regular Christian uh, rhythm, a regular Christian practice. The second reason, the second occasion that we can fast is at certain moments in our life when we need to discern and hear the voice of God in a very clear way. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to fast in both of these ways, both as a regular part of your Christian life and also at times in your life when you need to seek and hear God, hear from God in a special way. Both of these different occasions have benefits for us. As a regular Christian practice, fasting is used by the Spirit of God to form us and to shape us into the image of Christ. As a regular discipline, fasting becomes a reminder to us, as I already said, where our real life comes from. It is a way of strengthening and building up our spiritual life, just as we build up our physical life by eating food. When we fast regularly regularly as a part of our Christian life, uh, there are some great benefits in our spiritual growth, and I just want to mention a few of them. We could certainly go on and on, as many people have reported about the benefits of fasting, but just let me mention a couple of them. Fasting helps us to overcome the danger of enjoying the gifts of God rather than God himself. Our desire to seek and to grab hold of God's good gifts rather than to desire God himself is one of the things that will shrivel our spiritual life. As we live in North America, we are filled with, we are surrounded with the blessings of God, the material blessings of God, and we are so filled with them that we can very quickly forget God himself. For us, fasting on a regular basis, as a regular part of our Christian life, is a way to turn our attention away from the gift and toward the giver of the gift. I've been noticing lately how often or how much of my prayer life 
uh, what percentage of my prayer life is used thanking God for his gifts and asking for more of them. And of course, that is a good thing to do. It should be part of our prayer life. But what about simply enjoying God? I want you to think for a moment about a ridiculous scenario. What if I brought home some flowers for my wife? And I set them on the table. And all night long, she sat at the table and admired the flowers. What was the purpose of the gift? The purpose of the gift was to bring us together, not to focus only on the gift. And I've been noticing in my prayer life how often my words of thanksgiving, my requests, are so focused on the gift and not about me simply enjoying God and who he is, enjoying his character, enjoying and meditating on the love that he has for me. The greatest longing in the human heart is God himself, not the gifts that God gives. But we are too often satisfied with these small gifts that God gives to us and not God himself. John Piper has a great quote about this idea. I just want to read it to you. He asks the question, do you have a hunger for God? If we don't feel strong desire for God in our life, it's not because we have drunk deeply from God and have been satisfied. Instead, it is because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. If we are full of what the world offers, then perhaps a fast might express or even increase our soul's appetite for God. Between the dangers of self-denial and self-indulgence, is the path of pleasant pain called fasting. The purpose of fasting as a regular practice in our life is to forego God's good gifts for a season so that we may cultivate in us a deep hunger for God himself. When we fast, it creates an empty space in our life. Because of our wealth, we do not often experience much emptiness in our lives because we can quickly fill up any emptiness that we experience, any loneliness that we experience, any desire that we have with things. But fasting creates some emptiness in us. It creates some pain. It creates some discomfort in us when we fast before God. When we fast with the desire to come to know him and enjoy him more, it cultivates in us a hunger for him. It cultivates in us a desire for God to fill all of the empty spaces in our life. It cultivates a desire for us to seek God in the midst of our pain and suffering, to seek out God as our comforter, comforter rather than food or rather than shopping or rather than television or whatever else we go to when we're struggling. Fasting as a regular Christian practice trains us to turn to God to be our comforter to turn to God in order to be filled. 
In addition to fasting being a regular practice in the Christian life, there are also other occasions to fast, and that is when there are certain circumstances in your life, certain occasions when you need to hear from God in a unique way. When you need to let God know that you are serious about Him, about your relationship with Him, and about your dependence on Him. And there are lots of examples in Scripture where God's people, for a certain reason, because of circumstances in the life of God's people, where they set a time, time to pray, in order to focus on God, and in order to show God that they were serious about Him and their relationship with Him. We see this in the story of Esther. When the Jewish people were threatened, God's people fasted and prayed. Nehemiah, when he knew that God was calling him to go back to Jerusalem in order to rebuild the city, before he went to the king of Persia to ask for his permission and his help, Nehemiah fasted and prayed so that he could find favor in the eyes of the king. In the New Testament, we see examples of the church where there were certain things that were happening, circumstances that came their way that caused them to say, we need now to fast and to pray. So one of the reasons that I'm teaching on fasting today is to encourage you to fast, specifically during this time where we are seeking God's direction for our church, and specifically this upcoming week before we gather together to listen to one another and to God about what his vision and plan is for our church. This is an important moment in the life of our congregation. It's a time where we're seeking God's direction, a time where we want to hear from God about his plans and purposes for us. So I ask you, let's come together. Let's unite our hearts and our actions together and let's fast together and ask God to speak to us, to show God that we are open and willing, that we are empty and ready for him to fill us. Throughout this process, from the very beginning, when we started in October and November, I have said to us that the process of this, of seeking God, is just as important as whatever outcomes we come to at the end of the day. That this process of seeking God, of getting on our knees and praying and asking God to lead us, that's part of this process. We are being shaped and formed as we seek God through this. We have called you to come together for times of prayer. I'm calling you now to come and join me in a time of fasting as we pray and prepare for Saturday. Sometime this week, for the sake of our church, would you join me in fasting? Refrain from one meal, Perhaps refrain from food for a day and take that time that you would typically use to prepare and eat the food to pray, to ask for God's leading and direction in our church. I invite you to do that with me this week. This morning we are going to come together around the Lord's table and we're going to share a meal. Perhaps a bit strange to have a meal just after we've heard a sermon on fasting. And so I want to share some thoughts with you about how these two Christian practices, fasting and communion, are connected together. When John's disciples came to him and asked Jesus, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? Jesus replied, When the bridegroom is here, It is a time for feasting, not a time for fasting. But when the bridegroom is taken away, 
then they will fast. In the Christian life, we are in an in-between time, a time when Christ has already come, and in a time when we are waiting, anticipating for him to come again. And so in the daily rhythms of our life and year, we have times of feasting and we have times of fasting. When we fast, we are confessing that there is an emptiness in our life. Christ is not here in all of his fullness in the same way that he was when he walked the earth. And he is not here in the same way that he will be again when he returns. And so fasting is this act that cries out that we are empty because our bridegroom is not fully here. There is an emptiness in our life that will only be filled completely when Christ returns again and fills us in all of his fullness. And so fasting is this admission that the bridegroom isn't here. And so we are fasting as we wait for our emptiness to be filled. But we are also called to times of feasting because Christ is here in a very real way. Today, we will come together around the Lord's table to celebrate Jesus' real presence with us. We will feast together today. We will take the symbols of Christ's body and his blood, and we will take them into our own bodies as we participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus. By eating this bread and drinking this cup, we remember that the bridegroom has come. He was here and he has sent his spirit and he is present with us today in a real way. He was here and he loved us all the way to the cross. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we feast because we remember what Christ has done for us already. And when we fast, we remember that there are still some things that have not yet happened. And when we fast, we cry out to God that he would bring that time, that he would fill our emptiness. When we fast, we look forward to what Christ will do by filling us with his presence in the future. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we confess to you that we often know what we ought to do, but do not do it. And so, God, I pray that in this practice that you have given to us, uh, this practice of fasting, Lord, that you would enable us by the power of your Spirit to do it. Lord, that you would strengthen us as we do it. Strengthen us physically, sustain us. But God, more than that, Strengthen us spiritually. Lord, may this practice teach us to seek you so that we may be filled. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.